welcome to Blight Bringers, a Legion of Everblight and Shadow Flame Shard focused podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nate, and I'm here this week with my friend Ryan. Hey, Ryan, how are you? What's going on, buddy? Uh, doing good. Got back from Europe, painting up some Chimera, staring at the sc- uh, screen, hoping that things drop tomorrow. Be awesome. What's going on with you? Heck yeah. Um, kind of about the same, honestly. Been back uh, for a solid week now, actually week to the day. Um, still recovering a little bit. The jet lag is a doozy. Uh, the older I get, the harder it is to shake. Aren't you only um, like 25? Ryan. Huh? Aren't you only like 25? Ryan, I am nearly 40 years old. You look like you're 12, so I don't know that That's I believe fair. you. I was particularly tickled. Uh, Peter, Peter Alston, if you're out there, I was particularly tickled by your comments that, judging by our voices, you thought that Ryan and I were reversed, like which people were which. I mean, uh, I've said forever that my voice is like an octave too high, so I'd buy it. Um, Ryan, we have a very special guest with us this week. Uh, you know him. You love him. He's the Athonk Daddy himself, JVM. Hello. Uh, welcome, Jake. It's great to have you back on. Been, been a hot minute. I think it's been like two. Ugh. How long has it been? Like four years. It's been an amount of time. You've had an open invitation, just never taken it up. So, it's kind of your own fault. That's, I guess. I, I kind of can't believe we didn't get you on last year after you and I were like teammates and everything. But that's probably on me if it's on anybody. I, I mean. Forgive you. Nate, if you would have done better last year, you wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. Well, Ryan, if your computer didn't eat our WTC episode last year. Twice! It did that twice! Yes, that's right. It did it twice. So, hopefully, uh, for those of you listening, this is me putting out into the universe. Uh, Dear Ryan's computer, please don't also eat this episode, because we are, in fact, doing a post-WTC cast. I mean, it probably wouldn't have until you just jinxed it, so if anything happens, it's on you now. how this goes um right on so uh the three of us all were able to go this year we all played on the three different teams uh myself i was on like the dad squad uh that is team redwood ryan was on black footed ferrets and jake you were on usa manatee correct i was a manatee yes oh the humanity uh, so we're gonna get into did you a just cap what oh the humanity I hate you so much <laughs> how, how have you never done that that you again first person to say it and I immediately hate it I only made it onto the dad team because of the dad jokes I actually have no children uh, you have cats that count um, before we get into the WTC recap, um, we did want to just go over some upcoming releases because that is, uh, they are of particular concern for all of us um, and everybody out there, uh, namely concerning Chimera. So, upcoming, I believe the Shadowflame Shard army starter is due in December. That sounds right. Yeah, and I think that should have. Um, has, uh, what is her name now? Did they finally settle on her name? Is it Shiris? Shiris or something? Shivas? I have no idea. I I just remember seeing a league a while ago, and I assume that's her name. Ah. Um, 
So something like that, uh, the Flawless Dark, uh, you'll get a Vifax and a Hydrix, and then it has both the Quick Fang units, so the little uh, Blow Dart guys with no lips, and the little stabby dudes that look a lot like, um, what are those guys called from Scorn? The, uh, uh, the Pain Masters? Yeah, the Blood the Oh, the Blood Runners. Yeah. Like but like blood runners and daughters. Yeah, they look like really cool. Actually, I think I kind of figured out finally what the uh, aesthetic of this faction is, and it, maybe it's like all kind of Ninja Turtle villains, which I'm also strangely okay with. Yeah. Uh, um. So you'll get you'll get those. You'll get the Shadow Mancers, which are like your Fury management support unit, and then uh, the Death Dealers who have the coolest unit name ever. I don't know why, I just love it. Um, and then two of the command attachment guys and the Shadow Mancer Scion, who I, does things, but I don't know what they are. I just love that the command attachment from like the spoilers is basically just Monique Orman, and I love him. Yes. Like. Yeah, I, I love him as well, yeah. Um, so some cool stuff there, and then I believe January is like the slated month for the like individual model releases. So you'll be able to get the Hydrix and the Vipex separately, as well as picking up uh, Rassic again, uh, and uh, finally the Wyvern. Yeah, big boy. Yup. Yeah. Which I, I will say, uh, having seen it on the table, um, I have a, a local who is uh, sculpts for PP. His name is Doug Hamilton. He's a great yeah. dude. Never heard of him. Um, yep, but he had it. Uh, he had it out at uh, WTC, and I think there's some photos floating around of it. It's really cool looking. Oh, it's dope. Yeah. Um, so some exciting stuff there, definitely some good, uh, you know, some cool models to put on your Crimbus list, if that's a thing that you get down with. Oh, uh, yup. And then, to, actually, just today, they released the, the like, the art for uh, Grimkin guy, Zacharias, on his giant rabbit of death. Oh, yeah. And he looks yep. cool. Yeah, he does look really cool, admittedly. Ooh. They look cool, too. Oh, are they the, um... The, like, Fury Management dudes? They are. They're the ones who, uh, do what the, uh, old, uh, gobber pot guy used to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have, like, comfort food, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I understood uh, that reference. Um, I also understood that reference. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, that's just making me think of Sushi Chef, and how I kind of miss doing that a little bit. Oh god. What fun. Um, alright, so uh, if we want to move on to WTC recap, um, why don't we all start, uh, just mention, uh, like your team's team composition, how you did, um, any like great opponents or anything that like stood out to you. And then I think after we've all gone, we'll probably do like some game recaps. I don't think we're going to go into full depth 
Um, and I believe there was also the point, Ryan, of talking about some of the boogeymen. Yeah. And like, how uh, to prepare for the nonsense. Yeah, how to prepare for the nonsense and the kind of uh, casters that created a lot of problems in the pairing process at WTC. Because, boy, so. I bet you we could agree on two to three of them almost immediately. Yes. Oh, I would agree on one of them because I played her, and... It's because you're a bad he's, person. Uh, he's really good. Um, yeah, but Ryan, why don't you uh, kick it off and uh, take it away for us? Sure. Uh, I was on Team Blackfooted Ferret, uh, which is definitely not a stupid name, no matter what some people say. Uh, and uh, my team was myself playing Ravens, uh, Cody, who was running Infernals, uh, it was Mike with Orgoth, uh, my buddy Chris with First Army Signar, and then uh, Alex with New Signar. Uh, we ended up in seventh place doing three and two. Uh, I finished three and two personally, and I think 36th overall, which was neat for a first time out. Um, let's see fun games or really fun game real quick uh was actually my first round into spain rouge uh i ended up into old witch and i actually lost but it was a super super good game uh the guy's name is david and he was just a great opponent the entire time uh and it was not nearly as kind of I didn't think it was going to be one-sided, but I realized, like, early on I had made a mistake and went, oh, he's just going to absolutely demolish me here, and didn't. And it was, like, his attitude the entire time, which was just like, okay, I can get on board with this. Like, this dude's not being a dick about it. He's being super cool and, like, still having fun and still trying to make sure I have fun and, like, I'm on board with this. Let's play. So, yeah, that that was, uh, that was us. Uh, uh, Jake, how about you? So I was on uh, Team Manatee. The artwork was phenomenal for this one. I enjoyed it. It was a manatee kind of standing like a death archon, and uh, he looked very cute but also very deadly. Uh, my team was myself with Eric Akers, Justin Dew, who was our team captain, and then we also had uh, Blake, uh, who was a local to me, and we also had Matt Zellis. So our composition was Legion, Orgoth, Texas, I think Texas had a pair, I'm not sure who it was, and then uh, it was uh, Signar and Infernals. Texas My, needs a uh, pair? Pardon? Texas needs a pair? No, he doesn't. Okay. That's why I don't remember what the other caster was. We know it's Siphon, but uh, it was definitely a Texas five games. Fair enough. And then, mm -hmm. going into WTC, uh, I had a lot of practice into Thyron. My team was pretty weak into Thyron, and uh, I was told, based on some communication that uh, from my team, that the Europeans viewed Thyron as a pretty great matchup into Legion. So the team's goal at WTC was basically get me to put up against them and try to take them away from the rest of my team because they were worried about playing into it. Uh, having Vale, you have kind of I think a neutral matchup there, depending on table and terrain. And obviously, going first and things like that. Uh, you have the tools to hit and strike and scalpel out some things as needed. And then the big turn when they callous one commit to you, you have the tool to try to push through that 
and try to stabilize the game and win. Uh, my f most enjoyable game for the weekend was my first round against England. Uh, we, I played against Dan Jones, playing Thyron, of course. Believe it or not, it was actually a fun game playing into Thyron. And the highlight of that game was having to put Azrael in a spot after my feet to get charged by a mage hunter assassin with Battlelust. And uh, it actually worked out very well because he almost one-shot it. He did 28 or 30 damage to it. And ended up, he ended up dying anyway due to a walking spear being placed and killing him. But that allowed the rest of my fury management to come back and be clean and then didn't cause me to frenzy. So it was actually kind of one of those in hindsight situations like, man, I'm glad that actually happened. But in the time it was happening, I was just super deflated that he almost one-shot Asriel. But uh, it was a very tight game. I ended the game with seven seconds on my clock or something like that when the game was over. Uh, but that was definitely the most enjoyable game. So shout out to Jan Dan Jones for that game. And uh, I, I felt like our team overall did really well. We went three and two. Uh, we placed fifth overall. Uh, looking back at it, I didn't realize this, but like uh, Eric told me later the night after everything was over, he says, dude, you have the high, hardest strength of schedule. And I was like, yeah, I played freaking four Thyron games. Like, <laughs> I better have a good strength schedule. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. But yeah, WTC is, is a ton of fun. Um, and uh, would recommend it to anybody if they have the chance to apply, go on a team, and get over there uh, to do it. Because it is a completely different gaming experience than your typical solo ordeal or even like a local team event. This, I'm, I'm kind of rambling now, but WTC, there's a lot more at stake because the teams are formed early. You try to practice, communicate, you form a bond, and then you go over there. So this is the only event in any of these games that I play where I am nervous going into the first game because you are playing a team event, a team in that you're trying to win for your team yep. and not let them down. And there's a lot of pressure to make sure that you guys pull through three, at least 3-2 three, to move on to the next round and don't let anybody down. Yep. Uh, on that note, one thing I will say is uh, my... Then girlfriend, now fiance, had come with this year, uh, and had watched a couple games, and basically had said at one point, like, even the games that looked really close, or that I was, you know, winning, losing, whatever, it never seemed from the outside to be contentious. Like, even when it had uh, every right to be, everyone was always very on the level, very polite, very like, okay, here's how we're going to do this the right way, and that was a thing that, like, I expected and really appreciate, but part of me was worried wasn't going to be the case. Uh, that, like, you were going to get people that were super try-hard and super like, oh, you messed up this minor thing, like, sorry, basically go screw yourself, and that wasn't the case. Um, and the fact that I noticed that playing, but uh, her, who has, doesn't play and was just kind of watching, noticed the same thing, felt really good and felt like a really cool thing to be able to be like, okay everybody's on the level, everybody's trying to, like, be as friendly and be as open with everything as possible. This is awesome. Which, which is good, I, and I agree with that. However, that being said, because of the, the type of tournament it is being, like, the world event for our game, if somebody was like, hey, I don't like that, then I'd be like, no problem, I agree with you. I mean, yeah. That's how I feel. No, that's fair. I, if somebody, like, if I did something with, like, hey, do you mind if I do that? And they were like, yes, actually, I do mind. I'd be like, okay, 
yeah, no, that, I guess it was more of like the, when, okay, so like, the, the one that brought this up was I was uh, going for an assassination run into Germany round four for the tiebreaker, or not tiebreaker, for the pair down, and even when I was like, I guess I just have to go for the kill, like, my opponent was super chill the entire time and was like, okay, how are you going to do this? And it was very collaborative in the like, okay, what are the correct measurements? How am I getting there? What's getting there? So even when like, it was a, hey, this could you know, potentially end the game or end the round or the entire tournament at four rounds. It wasn't like a, oh, let me double check everything. Let me question you on everything. It was very much a, okay, let's just make sure this gets done the right way. And if you win, then you win. Like, congrats, you did it. I agree. I like, I like that. Helping each other out. So you like, he's helping, like helping you make sure your measurements are correct, putting stuff down, making things go faster. Yep. And, and just confirming everything for you. So that you're like, I'm trying to get this angle here. I'm trying to shoot here. And he's like, Like, yep. that's very collaborative. I do like that. Yeah. So, uh, anyways. What about, uh, what about Nate? Nate's left. Nate has to talk. Nate. Uh, yes. So I was on, uh, Team USA Redwood, uh, aka Team 3 or Team Tree or the Dad Squad, uh, as we jokingly called it. Um, our, uh, our art was also, I was pretty pleased with it. We have the... Uh, a redwood tree portrayed as a like a primal archon portrayed as a redwood tree so ended up looking really really cool um, and big shout outs to uh, my friend Anwar who did the artwork for us um, not that I think he'll ever hear this but if he does we appreciate it we just wanted to know um, we were definitely um, of the mindset that uh, I think we wanted to go to like represent the U.S. well, to have a good time, and uh, you know, hopefully to do well. But I don't think we were, uh, we didn't have it in our uh, in our goals to win the event. Um, our team, our yeah, our team comp. Uh, myself, I played Grimkin. Um, Sean, who was playing Storm Legion. Uh, Travis, who brought. Alien Charter, and then uh, Chris, who was playing Sea Raiders, and Adam, who was playing Wintercore. Um, we ended up going 2 and 3 and finishing in 14th, so just missing the, the top half by a little bit. Um, and uh, personally, I went 4 and 1. I had a, a much better uh, time of it this year than I did last year, uh, and I think I finished in the top I think I was like 20th or something like that out of the whole player field. Um, so I had a much better go of it this year uh, than last year when I think I went two and four um, and lost all the games that I thought I was going to win and won all the games that I thought I was going to lose. So uh, clearly I have a better handle on things now. Um, worked on those evaluations, I, I see. Hmm? So, worked on those evaluations, I see. Yeah, apparently. Um, this year, I think standout games for me, um, definitely uh, we drew the short straw as a team and round one we played against uh, Sweden Asgard, the team that ended up taking the whole thing down. Um, so 
uh, you know, kudos to them. They uh, played like experts and absolutely bamboozled us in the pairing process, which uh, I think went uh, much to their advantage. Um, but I had a really great game against Olav, um, which he summarized on another podcast, so I won't go into it, but the, uh, I'd say, runner-up for most fun uh, game of the weekend was against, uh, I think his name is Sampo, uh, from Finland of Tom, uh, and he yeah. played Byron. Yeah, uh, he played Byron, and uh, we played in round four, uh, and it was his first WTC, he was doing like super well, uh, but you could tell he was like kind of nervous, and uh, we just had a really fun game together, um, and and had like a really great time. Um, and this was uh, after I saw the Matrix in my first Thyron game and like figured out how to play against the list, and so I was able to execute then against him in that round. Um, so I was able to uh, win that game despite. Uh, going second into Thyron, which is absolutely brutal. Yeah, it is. Uh, we played against yeah. Finland of Tom round three, uh, and Sampo absolutely beat the crap out of our Orgoth player, uh, which was entertaining to watch, so good on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was yeah, just a really pleasant opponent, very chipper, uh, and you could tell he was just like so excited to be there. He had a big smile on his face the whole time. I mean, that's the goal, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'd say only other shout out was to one of my uh, opponents on Danish Delights, uh, whose name is escaping me. I think he goes, his handle is like Zixis. Um, he, we played the Grimkin Mirror, and he had an army that was absolutely beautiful. Like, everything was heavily converted. His house, uh, he played the Slaughterhouse, and his, his Slaughterhouse had like tentacles holding it up from like a swamp. It was a freaking amazing army. Uh, so if, if you're listening, Zixis, your army was beautiful. I don't know if I told you that enough at the table, um, but had a really fun time playing against you as well. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, right on. Yeah. Um, so do we want, uh, does anybody have anything else they want to add to their recaps? of WTC, or do we want to move on to talking about uh, the boogeymen and strategies to play against them? Uh, I was going to say, do we want to go over just uh, the rounds real quickly as like a, okay, round one, played this, did this kind of thing? Not oh, yeah. too in-depth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we could we could do something a little a little quick like that. Yeah. Ryan, right. why don't you kick us off? Uh, sure. So, round one, uh, we played into Spain. Uh, I dropped a veil into Old Witch. Uh, I ended up getting out-scenarioed which was sad, but like I said, David was just super, super cool. Uh, round two, we had played into Canada. Yeah, it was Canada. Uh, I played uh, Mark... I'm going to mispronounce his last name because I'm terrible. I Iwanek? Uh, he was running New Kador uh, with Baranova. I dropped Lilith and managed to assassinate Baranova bottom of two uh, with some jank uh, from him letting me get a... Oh, not Perdition, what's it called? Uh, Pursuit Move Off, um, which let Ooh. me get... Yeah, let, let me get a Nerf up and a Tractor, uh, the Great Bear Wall, out of being a wall, and then Raptors just said hello, friend, uh, with Azrael, and turns out that's enough. Uh, yeah, that was actually a fun one, just from the angles of trying to figure it out. Uh, round three, we played into Finland of Tom, 
Uh, I had played into Erno, uh, who was running Dusk. Uh, he dropped Hazaroth into Vale, um, and I just out scenarioed him. Uh, I think it ended up being like eight to one. Uh, round four was the tiebreaker, or not tiebreaker, I keep saying that, the uh, pair down round, uh, and we ended up playing against Germany Z. I'm not gonna even try to pronounce this name because oh, uh, it, it ain't happening. It was Germany Zauberlinge. Sure. It means the wizard's apprentice or something like that. It's that, pretty cool. That sounds as made up yeah. as anything I have ever heard, so sure. They had uh, Orin on their jerseys. They, sure. They had really cool jerseys. Sure. I mean, they did have cool jerseys, just... Yeah, okay, sure. I, I have no idea. Uh, and that one was uh, Val into... Uh, 5th Division uh, Malakov um, he I made a stupid mistake turn 2 and basically gave away Azrael for nothing which was really dumb uh, and then started getting just absolutely tabled um, I ended up having an assassination run where I could get Lilith uh, Anissa a couple of raptor shots and then the Blackfrost shard spells all under Lilith's feet I hit the crit stationary and then was stupid, uh, and to get Anissa in range charged, uh, Juggernaut, uh, had to make the melee attack, which then let him move the Juggernaut directly in front of Anissa so she couldn't shoot, and that basically ended that game for me. Uh, cause Malakov feet is silly. If anybody doesn't know that. And then, uh, round five, we played into, uh, Sweden Midgard, uh, I played Val into Thexus, uh, Texas got spicy turn two, uh, ended up charging something, feeding, to try and, like, get as much stuff and feed as possible. Uh, uh, only scored two, which I thought he was trying to score out, putting Texas as far up as he did, and ended up, again, getting kind of a janky assassination run of killing off five shield guards and then getting Azrael onto Texas, and killed him bot bottom of three? Top of three. Turn three. Uh, which was super nice uh and yeah that was the team won that round so we went three and two when i went three and two good times uh nate how about you yes uh so as i as i mentioned round one we played uh sweden asgard i got uh to play old witch into barnova um i was super jet lagged and wish that i had given my opponent a better game i missed like three different opportunities to proc an arcana in like my second turn um and because of that i uh, was getting absolutely thrashed uh but managed to catch barnova in the time lock bubble from the clockatrice so then uh when my opponent finished activating his army and then went to run barnova to get her to safety um he had cleared one of the zones on invasion he ran her into the zone, but because of time lock, he wasn't able to run her far enough away. Uh, and the next turn, I was able to capitalize on that uh, knockdown. His Invictus, which, fun fact, Invictus can be knocked down, um, with uh, a Scourge from Old Witch, and then I got a uh, Clockatrice with... Uh, I blinded Barnova with Old Witch's gun, and then got a Enraged Clockatrice with Boundless Charge on Barnova, and uh, beat her to death. So... Uh, I won that one, uh, pulled it out of my behind. Uh, the rest of my team didn't do so hot. 
So we ended up losing around uh, one to four. And uh, then we got paired into, I believe round two was Danish Delights. Um, that was, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Zixis. I dropped Wanderer into his old witch. Um, this was uh, split decision. There we go. Uh, and there was a big old house in the middle of the board, uh, close to the flag, and then I was able to position uh, my defenses and, like, swarm dudes in a way where I kind of blocked his house from being able to get into the game until very, very late in the game. Um, and I eventually uh, grounded out on Scenario after taking a, a big attrition lead. Um, we ended up, I think, winning that round against them. I think we won 3-2. to two. Um, so then our next round, we played Norway Munin. We're just taking the tour of all the Nordic or Scandinavian countries, uh, tasting the Scandinavian rainbow, as I said, uh, and jokingly said, it all just tastes like licorice. Um, we played Norway Munin, who, uh, Jake, I think we played them, they were like our final round last year, uh, so Sfera and, and his team. Um, I didn't get the rematch into Sfera, but I did play into Jakob. Uh, who played Thyron into me. Um, I saw the Matrix. I figured it out. I was like, I have all the tools to play this game, but I just didn't execute the plan fast enough. Um, and he wound up with a pretty big clock advantage and then was able to parlay that into a uh, scenario win, I think. Um, we lost that round, unfortunately. Then uh, we ended up into Finland of Tom, as I mentioned. Um, and I think think we i think yeah i had my game into sampo um and i think we lost that round as well um but i won that game uh as i mentioned earlier uh this time i was able to execute the plan into thyron and it worked incredibly well um and then our final round was against the other norwegian team uh norway hugen uh and i got to play literally uh, what I believe to be one of Wanderer's best matchups on the literal best scenario in existence for him. Um, and uh, during that game, something that has never happened to me in the entire year of me playing Grimkin before happened, um, and that is my opponent made attacks on uh, using a Courser on Wolf's feet turn and killed Cariana Rose after I had already activated her. Um, and after I had already gotten um, Fortune's Path, so I got to play that turn with a plus two to hit and plus two to damage into Wolf's Feet, uh, which was disgusting. And uh, I would love to do that again, but I don't think anybody's going to give that to me. Um, and I uh, had a good, uh, good game there against Andre, my opponent, um, and then... I uh, wound up taking that on scenario, and I believe we won that round, getting us our two three. Um, yeah, Jake. So for for us, uh, how our matchups were as follows. Uh, so our first round, we went into England Pendragon. Uh, we ended up taking that first round for one. The only game we dropped was Blake. Blake went into an Infernal's Mirror, and it was a fifty fifty, and they were both playing basically the same version of the Omo with the Guardian and. Uh, just uh, it just comes down to some dice rolls, and and Blake didn't end up getting lucky on some. And the game ended up uh, Blake lost that game. But uh, overall, first round we did very well. It got the uh, the first round jitters away from us, which is very big. Um, 
I just like making sure that our team makes it out of round one without losing. I think that everybody's goal, obviously, is to win this, but making it out of the first round, which is like the most nerve-wracking round, specifically if you get put into teams that are, quote, higher ranked or the teams that people are looking out for, there's a lot of, like, nervous energy that goes out. So being able to get out of that first round, 4-1, to one, was very good. Uh, the second round, we went into Sweden Midgard. Uh, my game was into... Anton playing Circle Kruger 2, and let me tell you guys this, um, he was a great opponent, but uh, Kruger 2, nowhere near what he used, and it felt significantly better to be playing into him without him being able to DK our stuff, also going first, and just having pretty hyper-aggressive threat ranges and lesion uh, made me feel way more comfortable in that game, so uh, I was able to pull out that one on Scenario, and our team ended up winning round 2, 4-1, uh, to one with I think the only game dropping was Matt into Convergence, and he got ricocheted Assassin relatively quick, but it was not a good one. Uh, the third round, we ended up playing to Sweden Asgard, the winners of the event. I personally ended up playing into Marcus. Marcus was running Thyron. Uh, so the Thyron games I played, how in all my test games, and eventually just understanding what I needed to do, is that having played Callus 1 for multiple years and understanding how oppressive that feels to my opponent, I got to finally experience how it feels back. And the big thing there is that you're going to eat up a lot of clock trying to figure out how to get yourself out of the hole he puts you in. So you've got to make sure that your movements are fast. You've got to make sure that they're precise because if you don't do things correctly, it's very easy to lose those games and lose models immediately after your turn's over because his stuff hits too accurately and way too hard. So anything you don't get away is automatically going to die unless they roll absolutely like ass. So in this game, thankfully... I was able to uh, pick the table side. I was able to pick table. Another thing we tried to do is that we tried to set me up so that when I was playing Thyron, I was going to have the choice of table. And the choice of table in this matchup matters. It's very important for Legion in that matchup to have a good chance or to increase their chance of winning that. I feel like terrain helps put the parity in that matchup more to a 50-50. Uh, than if you don't have terrain, a favorable terrain. Uh, the terrain on my side of the board had like a house and another piece of like obstruction, which basically either made his army funnel in through the center or out and around the side. So there was one whole flank that I didn't have to worry about when he ran models in. Uh, the interesting thing about this game was that after the feed turn, after killing a lot of models and basically figuring out the puzzle to get me out of the hole that I was in, um, it basically still had Veil, based on where I could move, susceptible to potentially be killed by some attacks. And uh, when I was casting spells, I was also within range of two of the Void Tracers. So I was down to five life at the end of that turn. So I had two Fury. He had a Vengeancing Spear get on me, hit me, I transferred it. Uh, she made another attack, missed. He was able to walk and port in two of the uh, the top 15 crit amputee guys on the veil. He hit me with one, I transferred it. He needed to roll eight on the other one and missed. So he hit me with two eights, I died. Like, it was unavoidable. I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. Um, no Sounds awful. I moved, I, if I pivoted to the right, he still had the chance to get on me with some other stuff. So it was like, I had really no option where to go. So it was just sort of like, don't roll eights. Maybe I can live. And uh, so he didn't roll multiple eights, and I lived, thankfully. But uh, the game was, uh, each one of my Thyron games were down to seconds on my clock, too. Uh, when I killed the caster. None of these games, they had like 30 plus minutes left and I was down to 10 or less seconds in all these games. Christ. So I was able to win because he moved up Thyron in order to get everything going. And then uh, even even though he was conceding the game, 
I told him, don't concede the game, make me roll out my turn. Because I was also low on the clock, even though I, as, as a good opponent, like, I knew we already lost a round, but if you wanted to concede it, and we were in a position where we were up, I probably wouldn't have offered that, but I was like, eh, if we lost, let me, let me roll this out because I'm my clock. And then I rolled it out, and I was able to kill him in time. So, uh, but we, our team ended up losing round three, uh, one, two, two to three. It was two to three. Uh, Matt ended up dropping his game. I think he got Tempest assassinated. Blake was also uh, assassinated, playing into Assyria. He got shot. His caster got shot at Zadaroth. Then uh, it was a Thexus versus Thexus Mirror, which nobody is sorry for any of those players for. Yep. And, uh, and Justin had a very good understanding of how to play their mirror match, and it all comes down to getting a crippling grass early on the other Texas and just threatening him every turn, and he just missed, I think, multiple turns of the crippling grass, I think four of them, and, and then he just kind of lost out on scenario after a while. He's going to clock, but he ended up losing on scenario too. Rough. So we ended up lo losing that round uh, two to three to the winners, and then we go into a day two. We end up playing against Jeremy Beckman, is what I'll call him, because I don't want to butcher the last name. <laughs> and uh, I played into Potter, again, also playing Thyron. And this time, uh, so we use an algorithm for our list pairing. And uh, how we do the algorithms, like we did back in 19, is that everybody inputs the information into a spreadsheet. We take the spreadsheet information, compile it into an algorithm. It goes into the computer uh, program, and then we run it, and that helps us try to choose our best pairing process. I would recommend any team utilize this type of software and program because what it does is that as long as you are honest with what you guys view the matchups being, it takes everything else out of those matchups. A lot of people sometimes come to these big games and they're worried about playing against a specific player, or they're worried about other things that come up, like, oh, but if this happens, then this happens. Well, now all, the, all that stuff's gone. As long as you follow the algorithm and do exactly as it's saying, you should have your best possible chance to win based on how you follow the algorithm. So there's multiple times in our pairing process where people are questioning following it and I just told them follow it there's no reason not to follow it and every single time that we followed the algorithm I felt like we our pairing process has been either ideal or most of the time I feel like we're ideal and then sometimes we're neutral there was only one team that I felt like we weren't strong into I'll go over that next but um, big thing is that algorithms work I like them I think everybody should use them this time though order for the algorithm to function how we needed it to, I had to be put out in a position where I could not pick a table against the red player. So I played against Potter. Potter ended up picking the table that had all wide open middle on spread the net. So I had no defensive ability to really play and jockey around cover for position for an advantage. And uh, what ended up happening is he pushed in really hard on the feet, turn, ran at me, and then I had to figure out how to basically pull myself out from all sides of the board, and I needed some key attacks to go a certain way on the right side of my zone to clear it in order to make sure I scored two on my turn in order to keep myself in scenario for another turn. I ended up not scoring that, and when I figured I wasn't going to score that, then I went into the tank even longer, figuring out how to not lose next turn. And then by the time my turn was over, I had eight minutes on my clock, and he still had like 40 minutes. So even if I was able to attrition out enough of his army, even come through and try to, to sustain the game and kill him or assassinate him, realistically I didn't have the time to do it. And uh, yeah, he ran at me and I didn't roll well and then he 
all my stuff, and then I was going to clock anyway. But he ended up winning on scenario, so that didn't matter. He won uh, seven to two on scenario. Rough. Very well played game. And then uh, my final round, uh, we ended up playing into Norway Munin as well. And I played into uh, Jacob, or Jacob, however you want to say it. And then there was another Thyra matchup. And same thing again. I got lucky. I got to pick the table, picked a very good table, both the forest. Dusseldorf 2024. Yeah. Super All dope. Right. So, uh, thank you both to, to Ryan and Jake for those great summaries. Um, now I think if we want to do just a little, uh, a little quick breakdown, Jake, you've kind of started, I think, with a, a good, uh, some good tips into Thyron. Um, I can talk a little bit about playing that matchup uh, with Grimkin as opposed to Legion. Um, and then, uh, do you want to cover like Thexus and then Old Witch? Sure. Uh, so, I didn't have to play into Thyron, but my advice is very simple uh, murder Thyron. It is the most efficient way to play your game. Do nothing else, yeah. just murder Thyron. Luck. 
Yeah, good luck. In in both games I played against him, he was nowhere near the action. Um, and currently, as he exists, his feet is a pulse. So he feats uh, if his army is in his control area. When he feats, they get all the bonuses, and then they can just charge out and go and be in your zone. And yeah, be, be hard. Uh, I'm Crash not... your house party, steal your stuff. I'm not saying it's easy. I am saying after a long talk with Zosha where we discussed the most efficient way to do things, we all agreed that it's just murdering casters, and that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I can... Uh, so general general tips, Jake, I know you said was um, like target prioritiz uh, prioritization, um, expect to go down on scenario, and uh, need to claw your way back in, uh, and then also like manage your clock really effectively, right? Was there anything that you wanted to add to that? No, the, I mean those are the, the big things. Uh, the spell martyrs in that matchup are very key because that list that's running the melee all version with no guns, it has to engage you and it has to press you out of scenario. So the longer you can keep distance, the more stuff that you can shave away with spell martyrs, your horror cross, boosting your frost hammers at random targets killing whatever you can before they push in it's just better to you and if it's a dead scenario where they don't where they can't really do that and they're playing iron anyway like it just gives you an even longer amount of time to, to pick where you where you want to focus and really scalpel stuff out so they have to commit eventually because if they don't they're going to lose too much stuff over one to two turns to the point where if they commit on the, the next turn after you shaved them for two turns the amount of stuff that you have to clear out is significantly less than before. Mm -hmm. uh, and then if you have angels and things like that too, if they're really being aggressive with how they're placing the spears, um, you do have the ability to kind of like push them away mm -hmm. and, and get them away from flags and zones if they're just barely in the zones and things like that too. So I feel like Legion has the tools uh, to work around them. Uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. They, every game I played, they always committed to me on like the, the scoring turn mm -hmm. so it, it was either if they went first when they went first they they did commit to me on turn two I think they did and then every other time they did it bottom two so wow. you it's almost like that callous thing right you like run your feet you just don't give a shit you let your opponent figure out how they're going to deal with it you have fun for Like, I got to experience it four games in a row, and it, I was not... Normally, WTT is fun, and I love the challenge, and WTC was still fun, and it was a challenge, but uh, it was incredibly stressful, and basically every game was like, here you go, Jake, you got to play into this for 40 minutes, how are you going to get out of it? Every game. Sounds awful. I feel, I feel Jake, like, uh, of, of all people, uh, you have no doubt earned... The, the other side of that Kalos-esque matchup at least a few times. <laughs> I mean, I have done it, so, like, when it was happening to me, I was like, huh, this is how this feels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also... Yeah, I was gonna say, and I also deserve it, too. No doubt. Um, I was I was a good person who never played Kalos one, so I didn't have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, Let me tell you, the, uh, big, the big thing I didn't appreciate, though, is that I took... So I took the Angel... I like having repulse, right? There are some lists out there that have like four nerves and stuff like that. And uh, the overtake came in key at some points during some of the matchups. My final game with the Angel, uh, 
one attack and missed everything else and was basically obliterated by the unit. Oof. Uh, so he did not, that angel did not do well that time. But uh, other than that, then it was attacking things with unyielding and had a boost damage and it just, oh man, angels, why do you suck? It's true. Uh, you did say something uh, a little bit earlier about having a cloud down and uh, it makes me think of a previous conversation that might have been with you about how key uh, Yasilla is into that matchup specifically, uh, just because of the cloud. Yes, because on turns where they want to hard engage, typically they run, but if they can charge, they're going to charge. You don't try to give them that. But post-feet, when you start killing stuff and they still have stuff remaining, the ability to put the cloud to deny those charges and have them walk makes a significant difference, because if they're just walking and porting, then that's going to be a three-dice damage roll, because rather than a four dice damage rule. So whatever they're getting to, one, it might not kill it, depending on how many guys are left in the unit, or uh, they're not getting the distance they need to engage multiple targets again, and it just keeps them back. So I felt like Yasilla was key uh, because of the cloud. I also felt like Yasilla, post-feet, with insight, has very high magic attack, and you can war frost stuff, so you have a good chance of hitting and killing. And even the Hellion. The Hellion was, was awesome in these games, because some moments when everything was kind of piled on each other and there was stuff behind the first line of stuff lined up, the Hellion would go up with insight and just spray a line of dudes. Yep. Typically, Iron is so far away from the action because he just feeded it and stood there that they're not under T-cell. So you just have another damage roll, a highly accurate damage roll that has the potential to get through a lot of these targets. And then I also run the Succubus. The Succubus has you know, influence, has Hexbolt, and Hexbolt has things like that too if you can target the guys with magic attack. Uh, the raptors were very key in the matchup as well. Uh, the charging raptors have the ability to hit stuff on the charge because of the boosted attack rolls uh, with insight. Yep. With with a plus one veteran leader. You can even put chiller on them if you wanted to and then when they reposition you can apply chiller to multiple areas which is super strong depend, depending on where they're at. And then uh, the ability for them to double dip as well and charge target and then shoot something else near them that they're not engaging if they weren't able to engage you. Being rat 7, 8, potentially 10 means that you're just killing 2 for 1 with those models every time and in that matchup you need to do that. And I felt like them and Anissa were very key in being able to fight a lot of those matchups. Yep, and missing the ranged attack with the raptors doesn't hurt nearly as much as missing the melee because repose doesn't count for range. Correct. Yeah. That army also has the the wardens. We're in a lot of the builds that I played, and I feel like they're kind of the most ideal target for the raptors to shoot. Like you'll always be able to see them. They're only def twelve, and they're only you're like dice off six with the poison, so you have like good odds to take out one or two of them with a unit. Yep. Correct. Those are the, the first choices, but uh, if they're not present or they're too engaged, you can take shots at like the little one wound guys, not the blade shield guys, but any of the strike forces. And that, that tended to happen a lot more. The Raptors were only really able to put heavy work into the Wardens in only one of my games prior to anything really happening. And that was based on positioning. Yeah. Um, so I can give a quick rundown of how I played into that matchup with uh, Old Witch and with Grimkin. Um, so I think typically... And, and like pretty similar to Jake's experience, I had both Thyron players kind of hard commit on um, the turns where the scoring started. Um, and typically their line of play was like charge, charge whatever I can charge, um, get 
at least one spear of Syrah into your zone, preferably get all three of them and keep them base to base. Um, obviously, when that's possible is great, but if not, not so much, um, so that they are able to score and prevent you from scoring back on your defensive elements into your zone or contesting your flags or something like that. Um, in the Grimkin matchup, uh, in particular with, with Old Witch and the Ponies, you have a melee threat that actually goes further than Thyron does. So there is this like weird dance that you can kind of do with his army where you're like pushing up your naysayers and just in, like pressuring the front line. Um, you don't ever want to like actually commit that way, but it is a good way to buy yourself some table space, which is nice. Um, and then the knowing that they're going to come in on that turn and contest. Um, I typically played Old Witch uh, very centrally in the board. I utilized Vexing Alignment, which gives her an 18-inch control area. Uh, and then I had my units clumped up together very close to each other. And then behind both of those units was the Malady Man um, with Cradle Song up. And Cradle Song is an ability that causes uh, living models that end their activation within five inches of the Malady Man to become stationary. Um, and so the, and the ideal, uh, arcana that you'll use on that turn, uh, is first off, you want to have Old Witch or your caster up far enough and catching enough of the front of the army. In the case of Old Witch and the big control area, it's like really easy to do, right? I kind of had the first three ranks, um, and the first time, uh, after Thyron activates, so you wait for him to go. And then as soon as he declares that he's feeding, the first time a model ends its movement in your control area, and you can, you're going to uh, utilize Labyrinth, which then is going to take basically take the speed bump, like the speed push of his feet away by making all of his units minus two speed. So then instead of being able to charge you, he has to like run the rest of his army at you. And he'll get, typically, if your opponent's smart and has figured out this timing, they'll they won't get Thyron won't be the one that triggers the feat, but it'll be like the first unit that he sends in. Um in my first game against Jakob, that unit was the Spears. Uh but the way that the charge and then placement went, um he had to get he had he kept two of them together and charged the target that he was charging and then he jumped the one into my zone. More on that later. Um and against uh, Sampo, the unit was a unit of Mage Hunter Strike Force who were able to, unfortunately, kill uh, enough Dreadrots to then be able to free themselves. And then they all shot the, uh, or they used Phantom Barrage and then shot my Malady Man who had Cradle Song up dead. So I was very sad about that. Um, but um, yeah, so your opponent like runs basically starts the turn they get like one good charge you pop labyrinth they get stuff in um and then if they're doing that like taking random pot shots and trying to clear things or uh leveraging attacks on like a different side of the board uh and they ever miss you get your fortune's path so you get plus one to hit um uh, you can also additionally use Cariana and just like run her out to contest that gets you plus two to hit if they kill her um and then Typically what I did on the follow-up turn was I used the something wicked ability on the Malady Man, and then I actually used my monkey 
to just charge over top of the unit ball and just eat like an entire unit of mage hunters in both games that's what he ended up doing uh, um can can i just say the monkey is still fucking ridiculous oh that model is so degenerate um there's a lot of things that make him not as good uh this being one in particular if he ever misses uh he just gets slapped and killed um and if you try to do that into wolf and your opponent has a single jack with the bombard the first thing that they do the first model you kill they just shoot the monkey and then the monkey dies it's uh, very I sad. Mean, as they should yeah um but in both cases i ended up using a grave ghoul and moving him up uh in range to to get the corpses and to give the monkey some rerolls. and with fortune's path you need basically boosted tens so it's a little better than 50 or it, it is like a a little better than a 50 50 um so probably like a 60 or 70 percenter to hit them and then uh with the re-roll that pushes that up to like about 80 and 90 percent so you're like getting most of your attack through um you kill as much as you can and then you take some attacks into the spears typically you like want to use old witch's gun to blind a big blob of dudes so what will end up happening is they'll shield guard that into the spears so then the spears will be blinded and then you activate your good friend baron tunglick who has consume on a three inch melee attack <laughs> and you just slap the spear that you blinded and, and then he eats it and it just <laughs> is gone off the table and okay, that's because honestly he has funny. a three-inch melee attack, if you miss, you do you pay no price for it at all. Um, and I did that in in those games. I think two turns in a row, Baron's activation was like, like which was like, I'm gonna blind a spear, and Baron's like, and I'm gonna go eat, like I'm gonna eat him now. Don't. Yeah. Oh, Frogman. Yeah, that uh, that was particularly fun to realize that I could do like mid middle of the game. Um, so you have the tools to blunt the alpha and then to like dig yourself out. Um, and additionally, I have in the list, I had a Gorehound, which is a ghostly model that's like speed seven. Um, and the witch can give her battle group like rerolls to attack rolls. So you can charge that guy, kill like the back model in a unit and then like sp sprint and then shift up another seven. If you boundless charge him, he moves like 12 inches and your control area is already ridiculous and he has extended control range. So you have like good ways to get contesting models into your opponent's zone um, so that you're able to like clear your stuff, score back and like start to stabilize the scenario. But I think it's like pretty similar. I'd say like from the broad picture, pretty similar counterplay, right? Like you need to do what you can to blunt the alpha. In this case, you don't have the ability to shave off models, so it's play your arcana right, uh, position your models well, blunt the alpha, then uh, push through the feet, get a lot of work done, and then uh, keep in the game on scenario. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, other boogeymen? Ryan, you played into Thexas. Uh, um, I did, and... Uh, aside from somebody being super aggressive and just letting you kill Texas, which shouldn't happen a majority of the time, I am willing to admit, uh, uh, my testing was basically kill the agitators if you can, uh, and then 
really just kind of force him to spend resources of uh, the feet is a little rough on scenario because it's a two inch push uh, but it is a push rather than a place so like you can position to stop him from being able to push you in the right direction um, I know at one point I had had uh, Black Frost Shard like two guys were 2.1 inches into his zone Anissa was right on the edge and another guy was right on the edge uh, where it was like depending on what gets moved where like you can't actually push everything out without getting a speed buff on Thexus besides just DKing himself um, and I think a lot of that match from my testing is really just make Thexus spend resources every turn and don't let him do everything he wants to do uh, and then just play out the feet and be like alright I have to be I can't tow his own I have to be 2.1 inches in you have to send something in at me um, if you can do that, and then, like I said, the agitators and the UAs, just snipe them out when you can, you'll probably be okay. Yeah. Jake, do you have any, any thoughts on that match? Uh, I tested... I'm, I'm guessing it would be, like, Veil, Texas, right? Yeah, yes. I mean, yeah, you can, just... I mean, you can play anything you want, doesn't mean you're gonna win. That's just a poor decision. Uh, but yeah, no, Veil's a call. into it and you're absolutely right in that use the spell martyrs early um i think the only reason in the game i played into them it went as well as i did is because i kept a couple beasts nearby to shield guard them to keep them alive uh and then the following turn because he had like the dwarf cannon crews it was okay i'm gonna shield guard to this guy and there's three other heavies that are closer than the spell martyr so blast damage isn't getting to it and next turn it gets to run forward and I get to just drop the Val's 8 inch spray 
and go, cool, I picked up, you know, a UA, two agitators, plus the dwarf cannon crew, and it's like, that's a, that, that side is now way easier to deal with. And, and the good thing coming from a system that's using Fury instead of Focus is that your ability to transfer all the damage hit matters, right? Because a lot of times you see Warcasters, they're like, well, I'm in a position, I'm armor 17, I can shun 5 damage, I'm basically armor 22, and they're just like, hey, don't roll well. And then they roll up and they're like, hey, I'm going to hex blast you. And they like roll yeah, and 18, they... you're like, well, I'm going to die now. Yeah, just Whereas, thanks like, for playing. Male, like, he can walk up and he can hex blast you three times, right? Yep. One, two, three times. And uh, so if you're camping two, probably live. You're not going to go for it, yep. right? And that is super important. It is super nice. play a little bit more aggressive with your spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fury, that's why Fury is better than Focus. And that's why Focus casters and, fo- and things that take Focus tend to have better stats. It's because, uh, for that reason, because Fury needs to be balanced somehow. So if you notice, like, models with Fury tend to have, like, lower stats, lower armor, less damage. Yep. Spells tend to be, fails pretty stacked. But, like, the spells and everything like that seem to be, like, weaker. Mm. I mean, to be fair, Veil stacked for the first time in how many years? Like, she deserves this. I mean, we all yeah. know the reason why she's so stacked is because she can run. She can beat, run, and catch inside. Yes. And, and, and run. That's and, the reason why she's as powerful as she is. And she gets her feet move on herself now, so she can actually feet move, run, get up there, and then back up to not just immediately get charged by something. No. I, do. I always do stuff like that. Maybe she needs a little, little, little. No, no, she doesn't. You're wrong. I mean, like, hi, it's it's your boy. Played old witch for basically the entirety of the time that she was out. Um, I don't, and I think maybe like she's really really strong, but for a different reason. And we can also, I can talk a little bit about what that that matchup looks like, Jake. I know you and I played it at Boker Brawl um, and like tips to play into Grimkin um, the, the number one thing I think is just uh, just accept that you're going to get an Arcana popped on you and like plan for it and try to sequence your turn in uh the, the most ideal order is like least valuable to most valuable activations. Yep. So that like once the arcanas are out, you kind of know what's there, you know what you're dealing with, and you don't um and you don't get caught off guard. Yeah. It, um, it gives you a chance to respond accordingly. It. Yeah, exactly. That's one part of it. Um I think in particular, like one of the things that makes her so good is the fact that she's I, I always just say she's like dressed for every occasion right um she literally has like solution spells for like all the all these different pro- like you you need to break armor she's got curse of shadows you need to hit stuff she's got a blind gun and scourge you need threat range she's got boundless charge you need some defense against guns she's got windstorm like she just has everything um like an answer to everything um and uh, the match, I think, 
typically would end up being Veil into her. Um, and the real key thing is you need to continually uh, position around the Nayslayers. Mm-hmm. Um, and use Leash and the Angelius in particular to continue to threaten them. Um, especially if your opponent has the UA where they do the like all fall down thing. Um, and basically because of leash and slipstream, you can slingshot that Angelius like 17 inches, which is further than the Mayslayers threaten. Yep. Uh, and if they have the UA and have done all fall down, what you have the potential of doing is killing, like if they make a single positioning mistake, you could probably kill an entire unit of Nayslayers, which will most likely collapse one side of the board. This is why uh, you could be me and be playing like five-dimensional chess and just not take the UA so that you don't have to fall down. Um, so you make your opponent actually hit stuff, which is like a better plan in my opinion. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest ones um, and a lot of the tools that Old Witch brings to, for like hit fixing in that matchup are a little useless, right? Like the blind gun doesn't really do anything into Legion Beasts. Scourge doesn't really do anything into Legion Beasts. Um, and yeah, so I think it's it's about collapsing a side. Um, getting a unit of Nate Slayers, or honestly getting your opponent to commit a unit of Nate Slayers for like a Nerf, right? Yep. Just like get them to come in, and then once they're done, they're done. And like she no longer has that that presence of like board control. Um, yeah, that's that that's a good thing with Nate Slayers is once they commit, you can just kill them. Like once mm-hmm. they go in and yeah. do whatever they're doing, you can just be like, okay, you did your thing, congrats, and now you're dead. This is also a reason that I don't run the UA, because sending in a 9-point unit to kill, like, a 12-point heavy feels fine to me, but as soon as you start sending in, like, a 13-point unit to do that job, it feels not great. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I think there's also uh, some really good, like, you're you're gonna get your thing, you're either going to bait the Nayslayers, you're going to send the Angel out, and you're going to need to absorb a Nayslayer charge, and this is one of the places where I think Dark Sentinel comes in super handy. Yep. Um, whatever target they can get to, usually Azrael, you want to leverage Dark Sentinel, and essentially, you want Azrael either, A, uh, if you can kill the Nayslayer Warhorse, um, they lose the all fall down ability and he also does the most damage of any of them um and then they will will probably take all five of the remaining to kill asriel uh and because of it burns that whole unit will just die the next turn you don't have to worry about it Mm -hmm. or you just yank him out of the way if that's possible uh and then take a spear shot at the warhorse and if you hit it then great and if you don't then it's really not a big deal because they committed so so one of um and then, oh, sorry. Uh, the one other thing that is particularly good in that matchup, and Jake, I think I noticed this in our game at Boker Brawl, um, Yasilla tilts that matchup really nicely to Legion just because of the cloud. Because then the only thing that uh, Grim can have, unless they're planning for it, that can see through the cloud is the Clockatrice. 
uh, and the Quackadoo just doesn't threaten far enough to really, like really take advantage of that. I was gonna say it doesn't really want to commit the be the first thing to commit either, right? It can't be the first thing to commit because the the um, Legion out threatens it so badly, mm. and it almost like Legion out threatens it so far that it kind of doesn't matter if it has like if it has reconstruct or it like stutter you like it could stutter away once and then stutter away again and then you're just like okay now i activate Azrael and i just shoot it to death and there's like nothing you could do to stop it right so mm -hmm. uh jake is there anything else that you want to add about that matchup no i think Yisil is a key component in in veil and if you look at the wtc list and go through it a lot of players have their own takes on it which is completely understandable Something I realized though is that a lot of people ended up taking uh, Black Frost Shard and they mm. took uh, Ice Witches. Ice Witches, I can make, you can make an argument for Ice Witches, being, having rerolls, having extra sprays, and things like that. Like, that is valuable and useful, and I agree. I just couldn't figure out a way to get rid of, I, I couldn't part with the Angel because I valued Repulse too high. Put them in, I could have easily had a fourth in there in any unit of them, but the, uh, the Black Frost Shard something that I, I could not put in that list only because I feel like the Black Frost Shard in Veil vale is a unit that is a win more unit. Like, you're already winning and they're just a, a unit that makes you win more. Um, you already have plus four damage swing. Having plus six, sure, it's good. Having an additional two damage somewhere else, of course, it's good. Do I think it's needed? I don't. I think the list has enough damage and stuff to, to get where it needs to, to not have to utilize the Black Frost Shard elsewhere, like on a unit of raptors. If I could put two units of raptors in Veil, I would, and I still might try mm. to figure out how to get two in there and try to keep the the backbone of the army kind of the same. Uh, the only thing that I had that I think a lot of other people didn't have was the succubus, and I had the succubus only to help me with the free upkeep so that on my turn twos I would have, I wouldn't upkeep chiller on turn two. I always reapplied chiller And then I can even power swell for another one if I wanted to do boost damage or something like that. So I could have nine fury to throw around. I felt like that was very valuable in the matchups I needed, and that's the reason why I kept the succubus in the list. Makes sense. I was looking yeah. at the lists and was curious about that because I kept trying to find a way to fit her in, uh, but I just the points didn't work out for what I was aiming for. And she is definitely uh, an add that I think is worth it 90% of the time there. You could cut her. You, like, you don't need it. It was just based on what I was trying to play for. That's why she was there. Yeah. See, uh, like my team was looking at it and saying, okay, we have a really hard time into like Amo, uh, and Amo doesn't like a 5 or 6 heavy build. Uh, so like having the double angel there when you can threaten uh, the tormentors and the guardian was a little more valuable than the Nerif, which is the only reason she wasn't there. I mean, let me tell you, angels are quite sad into anything that gets plus two armor. Yeah. I mean, yes. Uh, the way we, I had basically figured that game out was you don't bother with the guardian. Uh, you just kill three tormentors, and typically the tormentors are far enough up that you can get one of one or two of them out with angels, and not have to worry about the guardian buff. So. Well, I, I don't think infernals would want to play a deletion anyway. But if I had to play it, it, it doesn't. Infernals, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, the, Lilith is definitely the win. Lilith is definitely winning more there. Yeah, this is like your whole battle group Nephilim, so you don't care about uh, the yeah Hollow Ward or whatever the heck it's fun. Or, yeah, whatever the heck it's called. Yeah, because, yeah. because that you know, at minus three range, you can just parasite a tormentor and it just immediately blows up. Like, yep. It will not yeah. Magical shoots it twice, and both of shoots it's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then you have raptors and a bunch of other stuff too. Like none of that stuff's gonna live. Nope. Yeah. Yep. And I would, I would even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the problem with Zat in that, that match is that she's feeding to get, like, death 11 to death 14, and you were hitting death 11 pretty easily before, so now you're really hitting death 14. Yeah, and they're not getting plus two armor, so you just parasite the target, you charge it with a Nerf anyway, you boost it, your tail attack if you're really worried about it, and there yeah, you go, your man's exactly. seven, four dice, and now you're just, like, ripping it apart. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. So that I think was a pretty good, actually like a pretty nice uh, tech discussion for for everybody for those uh, problematic matchups that do exist. Um, oh yeah, they what, do. Uh, real quick, I think for everybody here, uh, what are you looking forward to? Like, what are you excited about in uh, 2024 for War Machine? Jake, you go first. I'm excited that most of the Mark IV stuff for the new stuff has been released. It is in the hands of most people, minus Chimera, and uh, I guess Brian's like expansion pack or whatever, like the secondary expansion pack. Yeah. So I know a lot of hesitation regarding new and old players was just having the new stuff in hand to be interested in the game. Uh, this year, at the very beginning of the year, there was a lot of negativity surrounding the game. However, moving forward throughout the year, the communities you're seeing it with the tried and true community, along with others, are starting to build up larger and At the end, these are toy soldiers. We, we do this as a hobby and to enjoy ourselves. But at the end of the day, the community, and I say this every time, we, we go to the first convention to experience the tournament, but eventually what you realize is that immediately afterwards, it's about the community and the players that you're around and the friends that you make in the community. And I'm excited that I feel that the game is starting to get a breath of life back into it. And there's a lot of excitement I am excited mostly for Chimera release. Uh, everything I keep seeing is super dope, and I'm actually having a ton of fun painting those models right now. The entirety of this cast, I've been sitting here painting a Hydrix, and like, I have almost never been happier with a paint job, and I love the models for that because they like just bend so well to what you're trying to do with them. Um, I'm really excited for the next convention season and just getting out and playing more games, uh, meeting more people. Um, one of like the most fun parts of WTC for me was wandering around and I swear I had at least three different people like as I was talking to somebody else you could see them like stop and listen and turn around and just be like are you that guy from that podcast and I'm like fuck yeah I am what's up I'm like <laughs> that has just been like super exciting for me to have like random people be like oh my god I've been listening to you for you know weeks or months or years and like it's great I love the discussion I love this that and the other and like it gives an avenue to talk to people that I would never normally, like, 
don't want to say never interact with, but, like, would not typically had a reason to interact with, that they wouldn't have, like, said anything to me or denied them, and, like, that type of interaction, or, like, like Jake was saying with the community of just, like, your first convention is for the tournaments, your next one is for the people, is 100% true. Um, it's super, yeah. super great to just be like, oh, I'm gonna go play games all day, and then, like, connect with people I haven't seen in you know, weeks or months and just have a drink and hang out. Um, that's why, like, Boker is one of my favorite things, because I get to go hang out with Seth for, like, two days and harass him, and it's awesome. Yeah, I'm uh, super excited. Seth's uh, coming to work for a weekend, so I think we're going to do some, some hanging out and, uh, probably later this week. I, I expect uh, ridiculous pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I would say, uh, similar to, to what everybody says, uh, have seen some renewed interest in the game here locally and uh, I think a big part of that is like people something new catches their eye and they can actually like go from uh, you know playing or watching and they Mm -hmm. can just turn they can walk like 20 steps in the shop and literally pick the thing up off the shelf and just buy it because the models are there Um, yeah I think I'm pretty excited to see what uh, the rest of Brian Bloods ends up looking like, and uh, I'm actually pretty excited to see like more of these cadres, and like see what um, what happens in the January errata. I'm definitely, um, you know, I'm like leaning towards Chimera, but I'm not necessarily sold on it. Uh, if like other factions, because there are definitely other factions that are catching my eye a little bit as well. Um, but I'm probably whatever I end up doing, I'll probably just do for a year. Um, and I'm really excited about new Steamroller. Everything that I've heard about it, seen uh, when it's being played, all of that stuff um, just looks like really, really cool and like a good compromise between like tactical depth but uh, having a table that looks really appealing to play that. Yep. Um, and like making I think if if what I've seen is accurate and what I've heard is accurate I think this may help be kind of the final push away from 2D terrain which is a big factor in helping uh, people to get excited about the game and literally just helping them to walk over and kind of say like what is this yep so yeah in regards to terrain I want to talk about terrain really quick there is merit for 2D terrain I'm going to say that right now in regards mm-hmm. to I do believe, though, that you could take, and it does take resources and time and allocation for people to do this, so I understand why they don't, but it's, you could make 2D terrain with the 3D template yep. above it, right? Just put a rate on it so that you can move it when needed to, when you have to make an important measurement and put it back. I think that is, like, the best case of both worlds that people should strive for, yeah. because having accurate measurements, knowing where the terrain is, that's why 2D terrain was so prominent for, for a long time, it's just, it was cheap have a lot of it and it's it doesn't obstruct measurements because you can measure right through it however i do understand that from an aesthetics i can't even speak today holy crap aesthetics from from thank you from the standpoint of like looking at a beautiful table with models beautifully painted and fighting and actually having like the forest there and having the building there like that adds value it adds a lot of immersion into the game and i understand the importance of that uh, but i also really like clean play because at the end of the day 
have control over is the measurement. Yep. Mm. Right? And so having yeah. precise and accurate measurement, I feel is the key component to the game. Yep. So that like 2.5D yeah. terrain where it's like, oh, here's a forest, but the trees are removable, or here's rubble, but like there are crates or something on it that are removable. I think that is 100% the way to go. Yeah, big big shout outs to um, some particular events that do this, the, the 2.5D thing really, really well. Uh, the Boker Brawl and the Siege Invitational, I think for sure. Never been to Siege. Is that any good? We could talk about it after. Never mind. It is uh, Ryan. If you like barbecue and you like hanging out with people, then you should come to the Siege Invitational. And that is literally all I will have to say. I, I um, went not this year, but last year, and it was a fun time. People are very hospitable. Uh, yep. And uh, the barbecue is it is you know it is southern barbecue, so it is definitely good. Uh, personally, for me, uh, my only limitation going there again is that flights over there from where I am in Boston is very expensive. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, when I weigh my con choices, it comes down to if I take this tournament or this con, could I do two other ones for the same cost? And if I can do two other ones for the same cost, typically I'll do two other ones for the same cost. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, to, to either Ryan or Jake, if either of you want to come to the siege and it's cheaper to fly to St. Louis, you're more than welcome to do that, and then we just hop in the car and drive down, because it's only four hours from the... Only four hours. As we get older, you know, like, driving in a car, like, the furthest I drive now to a tournament is Boker Brawl, and that's five hours, and that's pushing it. As really? We older, that's... Or as we get older, we end up getting this thing called job stability, and, uh, it, uh what is it called? Uh, disposable income, so that we can pay to not have to worry about shit like that. What's that yeah, like? but... You know, four hours for a tournament is pretty. That's about my limit. Um, but there's a shocking amount of events in the Midwest that you can get to within four hours of where I live. I used to, and I haven't done it in a while just because of COVID, but I used to drive six hours just for a three-round event down at Portal. Like, what are you talking about? This is, that's fine. Anyway. What's our, what's our age difference? How old are you? Uh, 33. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a sissy. Wow. <laughs> no, I don't right. have standards. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad right. somebody Everybody, does. Ryan's out here. Ryan's out here getting ready to get us canceled, and uh, <laughs> Jake's like arguing with people. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. So <laughs> I think uh, this is probably as good a time as any to uh, wrap things up for the night. And uh, thank you, Jake, for for coming on and for chatting with us. Uh, it's always a pleasure. To tell you the same thing I told yeah. you last time. You have an open invitation. You're welcome back on whatever you want. I'm sure you won't take us up on that, yep. but <laughs> maybe I will. I haven't been on a podcast in a while. Over over two years, I think. Yeah. That feels illegal. Uh, no, it's it's quite alright, believe me. <laughs> I don't have much to add. <laughs> I don't believe you, but alright. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and uh, so this is Nate. Wishing everybody a good night. Um, play some games, have some fun, and uh, you know, hug your opponents if they're if they let you. Yeah, get consent first. Don't just start hugging people. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Uh, bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yep. <laughs>